Welcome, everyone. Uh, this is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource, and joining me is Yaniv Sarig, and he's the CEO of Mohawk Group Holdings. Good morning, Yaniv. <clears throat> hey, Jeff. How you doing? Good. Good. So for those that aren't familiar with Mohawk Group, can you please give us uh, a quick overview of the company? Sure, absolutely. Uh, so Moa Group is a tech-enabled consumer product company. Uh, we started the company six years ago uh, here in New York, and really the, the spark that kind of lighted the, the vision for this company was the realization that as retail was moving to online and e-commerce uh, was booming, you know, we, we saw companies like Amazon and Alibaba reinvent the concept of the retail store through a technology platform that would allow them to rethink how consumers shop online. And what really kind of really was really uh, astonishing for us to see is that as that was continuing to evolve, consumer product companies were not evolving in the same way. The traditional consumer product companies were not really adapting uh, to this new paradigm of, of online retail. And we basically asked ourselves, what's the future CPG company look like? What's the PNG, the Unilever of the future, going to look like if it was born today? And we believe that that company is going to look a lot more like an Amazon than a traditional P&G or Unilever, right? So we basically set that vision to go and build a product company, a consumer product company that uses technology as a differentiator. And how does, how does technology differentiate for a consumer product company? Well, we took the entire supply chain of a consumer company and we, through a platform, a software platform that we built uh, proprietary to ourselves and, and, and for our own use, we inject technology in every piece of the supply chain. For example, uh, what products should we sell as a consumer product company? Well, instead of relying on you know old uh, school like type of like surveys or focus groups, we use data. So our, our our technology ingests a terabyte of data every day from different sources in the online space to tell us um, you know what trends, what dislocations, what inefficiencies exist in the consumer product space today on channels like. Amazon and Walmart and others, and, and really pinpoint for us what products consumers are looking for that are not really being found right now or that are not meeting their expectations. And using that data, we basically go into an entire supply chain that we have in-house. We have our own sourcing team. We have our own quality control team, our own logistics team. And from that data, we basically turn into a real physical product that we sell under the port a portfolio of our own brands uh, within six to eight months. So it's the combination of technology across this entire supply chain from market research to logistics to uh, bringing the product to market and then the marketing it. All that is, is where we see the differentiation is in the ability to run an agile rapid supply chain that's data driven and really is focused around what the customer really needs, right? Uh, so with that, you know, in the last uh, six years, we've launched over 250 products across a portfolio of uh, six brands that we own, and we sell those products to customers, uh, again, through Shopify and Amazon and Walmart. And, uh, you know, we, we've grew quite rapidly. Uh, we announced publicly to the market that we're going to do anywhere between 175 to 185 million in revenue this year. Uh, Q2, we just turned uh, EBITDA, adjusted EBITDA positive. So very exciting times for us as e-commerce continues to scale we believe that we're well positioned to be one of the most exciting consumer stories uh, in, in the public markets in the near future. Very good. And then how long have you been doing this? So six years. Uh, that's what, since the company has been founded. Uh, 
you know, it's been uh, really great and exciting to see that uh, our initial vision and how we believe the markets will evolve from a retail perspective has really kind of happened, right? Like specifically, I'd say for those listening out there and trying to understand what we do, one of the most uh, interesting aspects of how retail is evolving and really our strong belief uh, is in the fact that marketplaces, the marketplace business model is what's going to prevail, right? What, what do I mean by marketplace? When, when we shop today on an Amazon or, or Walmart, uh, without really mostly realizing it, we're dealing with two potential business models that are run by the retailer. One is the traditional wholesale retail, where the retailer is buying products from a brand and then selling it to us. And then the other model is where the retailer is saying, look, I'm not going to buy anything from the brand. I'm going to let the brand transact directly with you, the customer, through my platform, right? And today, for example, Amazon, over 60% of all sales on Amazon happen through the marketplace model. We believe that the large majority of online retail is gonna happen through the marketplace business model in the future. And we just wanna be the best company in the world at selling consumer products on marketplaces, whether they're Amazon or Walmart or Tmall in China or Flipkart in India. We just believe that this is where most retail is going to happen. And we're building our company from the ground up, the DNA of our company, the culture, the technology that we're building is to equip us to be in our opinion, one of the best companies in the world that's selling on marketplaces. Okay. And then you're addressing um, the consumer market, or are you doing uh, the business market as well? <clears throat> yeah, it's a great question. You know, uh, it's interesting. You look, for example, at Amazon, right? And you think of it as a, as a, as a consumer market, right? As pretty much all of us today shop on, 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 on one of those marketplaces, probably Amazon. But there's actually a very large business component as well. You're seeing more and more businesses today also starting to rely on platforms like Amazon or Walmart to go and look for their business needs. And in fact, those retailers are putting more and more technology to work to build um, you know, a, a business portal for business accounts wanting to shop on Amazon just like they shop for their own consumer needs, right? And so we're, uh, in a way, given the portfolio product that we have today, addressing a little bit of both. Uh, but definitely uh, uh, currently with, with a, a more emphasis on the consumer side. But some of our products are also finding their way into the business portal as well, and we definitely seeing an increased demand for online, um, you know, con- you know, online uh, sales uh, by, by businesses buying things like appliances or furniture or other items that we sell to our brands. Okay. And you mentioned enough, a bunch of companies that sounded online. One of them, does both? I know, you know, Walmart. Are, are you selling just online, or are you in retail as well? Uh, we sell uh, online only at this point. We believe that uh, there's an inherent advantage of that, right? Uh, one of the one of the key things in the model is that we have full control of the product, its pricing, its marketing, its entire positioning in the retail, under the retailer's umbrella through the marketplace business model, right? When you sell uh, through the marketplace business model on Walmart or on Amazon, uh, you get much more control as a brand, right? You can control your price in real time. You can control how you market the product. You can control uh, the, the images, the title, every aspect of it is now in your control as the brand. And that is an incredible advantage that consumer, traditional consumer product companies are only now starting to wrap their heads around, right? And most of them are not equipped to take advantage of the level that we do, right? Um, it, it's phenomenal to see what happens when you start 
uh, adjusting price to demand and supply to be able to really uh, optimize for, for, for what is happening in the market, right? Those are things that in traditional retail you would have an issue doing, right? Once you deliver a bunch of pallets to a traditional retailer, the price is already set and you can't change it that much, right? But that's such an incredibly powerful lever uh, for us, right? And, and allows us to either control our inventory, slowing down our sales or actually accelerating them. And for us, despite the fact that retail is still, if you put COVID aside for a second, obviously the large majority of retail still happens in brick and mortar. For us, despite the size of the pie, the ability to control all those variables in real time is just more valuable. It gives us such an incredible advantage of traditional brands that we've been focusing uh, on the online space alone and have not taken our products into traditional retail at this point. Okay. Can, can you give us examples of uh, your products? You've got a number of brands and, and SKUs you mentioned. Mm. Sure, yeah. So uh, we have, again, six brands across many different categories. Um, you know, one of the um, strategic categories that we're very excited about is the appliance space, right? So we have a brand called Home Labs, and we have another brand called Remy that both uh, – uh, Remy is a little bit uh, in, in the extension of home and kitchen – going into appliances, home labs is specifically only appliances. And between these two brands, we touch on many different types of categories like um, humidifiers, humidifiers, air purifiers, air conditioners, uh, ice makers, uh, um, uh, beverage refrigerators. There's a whole slew of them, right? And it's important to understand that we don't approach our selection of product as a traditional brand who kind of thinks about, I have to have a certain assortment to please customers. We actually look at it at each product specifically, right? What do I mean by that? Well, what our data and our technology that we built is allowing us to do is it allows us to dissect the way consumers shop, right? Not by uh, having access to any type of you know, specific information about consumers. In fact, we have zero uh, personal uh, information about consumers. We don't keep any of that. What we're looking for is really statistically how many people search for uh, a beverage refrigerator for uh, 100 cans or a beverage refrigerator for uh, my garage, right? Or how many people are looking for a dehumidifier for basement, right? We are basically analyzing all these different paths to purchase, the way people search for products and what they see today on these marketplaces, what they see on the digital shelf is what is the core interest for us. And by analyzing the searches and the results, the reviews that are uh, currently uh, showing on the incumbent products that are on the shelf, we're able to basically identify opportunities to do better. Where can we better serve the customer? Where is it the customer is looking for a particular need that the existing incumbent products don't meet? And how can we build a better product for the customer? Is it that in the reviews, consumers are complaining that a uh, you know, in beverage refrigerators, products arrive damaged because they're shipped across the country in a UPS truck and, and their packaging was meant more for traditional retail. And so they get, uh, you know, basically uh, banged up against different things and arrive uh, damaged to the, to the end customer. And maybe that's the thing that we can very easily solve by creating sturdier uh, packaging. Or maybe it is that consumers complain that they don't like the noise coming from a certain product. Most traditional brands don't pay attention enough to that incredible treasure throw of consumer feedback that exists in reviews. We analyze that, that, that feedback at a very large scale and are able to really pinpoint very quickly what are the pain points in, in certain uh, slices of the market that we can then come back 
and improve the product upon. And then with very targeted marketing, we go after the exact thing that consumers told us they were looking for. We're able to position the product very quickly into the market to capitalize on what we saw in the data. So uh, the technology sounds pretty robust. Are you just using it for yourself or are you offering it to other companies? We are, we, you know, in the, in the first, uh, uh, say, four or five years, we've been mainly focusing on building this, this platform for ourselves. Uh, and, and it's, you know, we learned a lot, made, made mistakes initially and fixed them and got better and better. Today, we're very, very proud of the technology stack we built. Uh, our success rate on launching more products is, is quite incredible. Um, and, and really, we're at a place right now where we feel like we have a very solid business on our own consumer products that we can continue to scale, launch more and more products. At the same time, this is a multi-trillion dollar industry, right? And from day one, we've always built our technology so that we can actually take it and if we wanted to offer it as a service to others, right? And so that's built already that way. And we, in fact, have started in the last year and a half uh, to, to really start investing in that and have brought multiple brands onto our platform and really kind of offer them a pretty much full turnkey service capability that uses all those different pieces of, our te- of technology that we build to go to market and to uh, manage their products in a more effective way, right? It's still a nascent business for us. The large majority of our revenue comes from us using the technology for ourselves, but uh, we believe that we'll continue to evolve and, and, and grow that side as well and hopefully uh, have, have a really great use of our platform in many different business models. So are you targeting a certain number of products to introduce a year? And then what's the time and cost to bringing a, a new product to market? Yeah, so we, had, we announced uh, publicly that, you know, our goal for next year is to launch up to 10 products a month. Uh, which is quite a, an incredible feat for any company. Uh, but we, you know, having done that for many years now and, and scaling uh, our supply chain, we believe that our team and, our, and, our, and, again, the capabilities that we built on the technology and logistics and sourcing are really putting us in a great place to be able to do that. The opportunities are immense, right? That We have no shortage of opportunities to launch products. It's really about scaling that supply chain efficiently. At the end of the day, you can't sacrifice speed and, 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 and the, the, you know, how many products you launch if the quality of the product is not going to be there. Quality is so essential these days. Uh, you, know, you can launch a product and have all the data right, and you have the right pricing, but if at the end of the day the customers don't like the product, the reviews are not good, uh, you know, you're not going to get this type of support from customers that you need to really be a dominant player in the category. And so, um, you know, that's probably one of the most important things that we need to scale, uh, you know, in, in a way that's sustainable and doesn't, again, hurt the quality side, right? So, again, launching around 10 products a month is our goal. Uh, we believe that we'll be able to get there uh, starting 2021. And uh, the time it takes to go from basically – a market research idea that we identified in the data to a product that's ready to sell is currently, we, we're currently seeing that at six to eight months, right? With again, we have zero um, tolerance for any kind of quality issues. And therefore, if it takes a little longer for a product, we, we always will uh, favor that. Because the product that we bring to market, one of the main factors that we look for in the data is longevity on the de- We're not very interested in products that are very, fashion-oriented, might be really relevant today, but might not be relevant next year. We love to go after products that we believe have the opportunity to be on the shelf for the next five to 10 years, if not even more, 
because uh, they're the type of products that don't have necessarily a fashion uh, aspect or don't have necessarily uh, some kind of technology that's going to disrupt them and make them irrelevant in a year, right? Uh, that's a very big piece of our focus. Um, and so, but, but, you know, again, when you think of all those pieces together, the ability to launch so many products in such a short amount of time and based on data, I think that gives us an incredible advantage in the market. Okay. So it doesn't sound like you're in the hits business where you need to hit a home run. Um, you know, we obviously like to see our products do really well in the category, right? But at the end of the day, what we're looking for is long-term, sustainable, profitable moats, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean to be number one in a category, right? Although we have many products that are in the top five or number one in specific categories on Amazon or on Walmart, for example, uh, what it is all about is what the data tells us about the market. Can we uh, take a place on the virtual shelf that is sustainable, maintainable for the long term, where no one can come in and build some kind of advantage against us, whether it's through, again, either features or some, some, some differentiation in the product that would make us irrelevant? And it's always a matter of timing as well, right? It's, it's, it's fascinating because new products are getting created all the time. New students of demands appear all the time. It's a combination of, uh, of understanding the market uh, at the right time, bringing the product at the right time with the right quality, building up that mode through social proof, reviews, uh, history of sales, um, you know, the ability of customers to really identify that particular product as a leading product in the market, and then maintaining that for the long run by correctly managing your inventory and your supply chain so you don't run out of inventory and then let someone else take your place, right? That's really what it's all about. And, uh, you know, there's, again, so many tens of millions of products available to consumers online at any point in time and new trends that form almost on a monthly basis. There's no shortage of products to go after. It's all about being smart about which one we want to prioritize, which one we believe are very long-term revenue, uh, positive revenue-generating products, and what does it take to actually maintain them there? Can we really fend the competition and continue to maintain that mode that we want, right? So it's not about getting a big hit that's going to be here and be gone tomorrow. It's about building multiple diversified, recurring, profitable revenue streams for each product at the time, right? Each product that are in our portfolio needs to be a profitable recurring revenue stream that we can maintain for the very long term. And also that is managed, managed very, uh, very much by our technology in a way that gives us this operating leverage, right? Instead of having to have a lot of manual work in terms of constantly adjusting uh, the products, uh, marketing and, and other aspects of maintenance of the products, we are trying to automate as, as much of that as possible so that we can turn our employees into e-commerce superheroes, right? We want every one of our employees to be armed with technology that allows them to forecast the product better, uh, better manage the marketing, better manage the, uh, uh, you know, the ROI of the product, right? In, in a way that gives one employee the ability to do what 100 employees would do on an organization that doesn't have the technology that we invest in. Now, I, I assume you're outsourcing, uh, you know, manufacturing and warehousing, shipping. Is, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. We don't own uh, the manufacturing needed or the warehouses, right? Those are all partnerships that we're building. Uh, you know, when it comes to the manufacturing, uh, we, we have a sourcing team that's uh, almost 40 people at this point. Uh, they're located in Shenzhen in China, and they're basically experts in working contract manufacturing, not just in China, but around the world, right? Our, the, the, the location in China is obviously where a lot of the manufacturing takes place, 
but our team is is really uh, has the mandate to pretty much for every uh, data point that comes from the market uh, uh, where we need a particular product, they have the mandate to pretty much go anywhere around the world where we can source the product at the best price, best quality, and that we can deliver it uh, in a recurring way, right? Um, so. You know, so, for, so from that perspective, you know, we don't own the factories, but we build relationships with them, and we basically uh, have a network of factories that allow us to go after the products that uh, that we look for. Same thing on the warehousing, right? One of the one of the really one of the things I'm very proud that we built is uh, we've built our own logistics last mile fulfillment capability. So a lot of other companies in the space are relying on the logistics platforms of an Amazon or Walmart. Uh, we've actually uh, realized that it's very important to be able to be controlling that last mile shipping and be able to optimize it. We believe that it gives you an incredible advantage if you, uh, over time, learn about the patterns of sales of products and are in control of where your inventory sits around the country so you can get even better optimized shipping rates, right? And so we've built into our technology platform what we call the fulfillment module, which is allowing us to connect to nine different warehouses around the United States and deliver within one day shipping to 93% of the population at, uh, in, in certain categories that is even better pricing than, than, than even an Amazon FBA, right? So uh, very important part of it, but, but again, we don't own the, the warehouses. We, we obviously don't want that type of expenditure. Uh, we partner with uh, different 3PLs and connect our software to their system so that we can manage uh, the products the way we want to without, again, having to own the, the, the warehouse. Very good. And revenue model is just direct-to-consumer, and you're targeting what, what type of uh, gross margins? Yeah, so, you know, it, it, that's a great, great question also because, uh, as, you, as you've heard, right, uh, it, it's not easy to put, just put a gross margin out there and say that's our target because we just work across so many categories, right? There's a lot of companies out there who are just experts at mattresses or glasses or, or you know, any one particular category. They're just really good at that. And typically, their gross margin all look the same. What we've done, for good or for bad, is we've said, you know what, let's not kind of like necessarily put ourselves into one category and be very, very good at it. Let's basically build this conveyor belt, this engine. Let's take the common denominator of bringing products to market, whether it's the market analysis or shipping the products or selling them or doing the customer service. Let's take that common denominator and build it into a real machine, right, that is able to, again, sell hair dryers and uh, you know, refrigerators and mattresses and all sorts of different things across many different categories because it focuses on the science of selling and on the ability to take market share and control it for the long term uh, as opposed to necessarily being perfect about the branding or the messaging and all that, right? And so for that perspective, right, our, our, our gross margin doesn't have necessarily a particular target that, uh, that is across the board because some categories might have a bigger gross margin, some have you know, a lower one, right? And as you have a mixed uh, portfolio of 250 products, it's a little harder to say that's exactly the target, right? Um, what I'll say also that's very important, and it goes back to what I mentioned earlier, we love to think of our business at the contribution margin level. Contribution margin is we count in basically everything that it takes to sell a product in a particular transaction, duties, returns, coupon codes, uh, uh, marketing costs, fulfillment costs. We blend all that in, and our goal at the end of the day is to be at at least uh, you know 15 percent contribution margin. That's our new target today uh, for a product that is what we call sustained product. The product 
Every time that we launch a product, it starts with a few months where we invest heavily into the launch of the product, where the contribution margin can be even negative for that period of time. And then once we achieve the uh, a desired outcome in terms of market share capture, we move the product into what we call sustain, where every transaction has to be profitable at the contribution margin level. The reason it's important to understand that, and it goes back to what I said before, for example, pricing is a very powerful lever. As the product gets its position in the market, we start uh, experimenting automatically with our pricing to try to find the best place where we get the best possible contribution margin. So where a traditional company might have, for example, some limitation because they're in retail, they can't lower the price because the retailers are not going to be happy with it, right? We can do that every 15 minutes. And so what that could do is it could erode the gross margin, but it could actually improve your contribution margin because maybe... If you sell a product at $50, you might have to spend $10 on marketing to sell it. Uh, but maybe if you go down to $45, you only have to send $2 on it, right? So the, 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 the point is that you have many different variables that end up applying to the P&L of a product. And at the end of the day, whatever, this, whatever gets the best contribution margin could be a different mix of price point and, and marketing uh, spend. Uh, um, and, and that we want that, that, that flexibility, that ability to really adjust in real time that gives us a massive advantage over the incumbents who have a fixed price and a fixed gross margin. And, and do you have, um, are you near EBITDA positive and do you have the cash needed to, uh, to launch the products you've, you've mentioned over the next year? Yes, absolutely. We, we, we said that to the market uh, a few times. You know, we turn adjusted EBITDA positive in Q2. Uh, we believe that going forward, we will be adjusted EBITDA positive, uh, um, you know, to the foreseeable future going forward with, um, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, enough cash to go and execute on our business model and execute on our vision, launching the products that we want to launch next year. Um, we announced also to the market that there's another side of opportunity that we're interested in, and that would be probably the only reason we would go to the markets uh, to, to go and raise more capital, and it's in the fact that there are incredible opportunities on the acquisition side, right? We have built a platform that is able to manage enormous amounts of revenue uh, on different channels, and, and really today, you know, a lot of, the, a lot of our growth is going to really kind of be mandated by how quickly can we launch more products. At the same time, in the last five years, you have uh, in the e-commerce space in the United States, uh, I mean, there's over 2.5 million active sellers on Amazon alone, right? You have, I mean, an enormous amount of third-party sellers, third-party brands that have uh, really had been participating into this gold rush of e-commerce, and some of them have built phenomenal businesses. Uh, more, more lifestyle businesses, more cash flow businesses, but some of them could be as big as 10, 20, 30 million in revenue with very strong margins, great products, great brand, great social proof, really good moat in the field is what we're looking for. And when these companies typically achieve that scale, they are not necessarily built with the infrastructure to go beyond that, and they're looking to sell. And the exciting thing is because they're maybe great cash flow machines but not necessarily growing anymore, we have the ability to come in and acquire them on multiples of EBITDA that are quite exciting, typically anywhere between two to four times, right? And uh, the great thing about it is that we can take that over and we take over those companies as an asset acquisition, right? We're not buying them for their people and, and for their uh, any type of IP beyond the trademark, the product itself, uh, the relationship with the manufacturer. And what's amazing about this business is that we acquire these companies, we're able to basically put them on our platform and manage them 
almost instantaneously. I mean, it took us, it took us, we did one uh, so much a month ago, and it took us literally a couple of days before the, the, the entire business was integrated into our software, into our platform, and all the revenues and cash flows were, were flowing through us without adding any headcount. So that was a business that did 14.9 million trailing 12 months, uh, 6 million on EBITDA. We bought it at 2.5 times EBITDA. And, uh, you know, the moment that transaction was done, it took a couple of days to integrate everything. And it was on our platform running through us. Just like that, there are, you know, again, hundreds and hundreds of opportunities that are out there that we would like to obviously uh, capitalize on. And, and that's really one of the only reasons we might go to the market to raise more capital. It would be for very accretive acquisitions that would allow us to create this additional engine of growth and, and profitability to the existing core model of launching no products. And Eve, as we look out over the next year, what are some of the events or catalysts that, that can help drive things? Is it new product launches or, or what? <clears throat> yes, the, obviously new product launches is really the core uh, growth engine of the company, and we're very excited about the pipeline that we're building and, and what we're, we have uh, uh, ahead of us here and uh, next year. Beyond that, I'd say that one of the most exciting things is we're only scratching the surface of the opportunity when it comes to, for example, international expansion, right? Uh, we have today, again, north of 250 products that are doing quite well in the United States, but there's an incredible opportunity to take this entire portfolio and start deploying it on marketplaces in Europe uh, or even as far as Japan, right? Maybe China as well, right? Before COVID-19 started, we were thinking about expanding to China. Uh, we just, you know, to, to roll that back a little bit to focus on what was happening in COVID in the U.S. But next year, we definitely intend to go back again and, and expand the existing portfolio, capitalize on the existing investments we already made in products and bring them to various markets around the world where the data shows us that those products can do well, right? So that's another very exciting uh, opportunity of growth in parallel to launching more products. And as I mentioned, the acquisition strategy, right, which we'd look to do in, a, in the most capital efficient way, uh, is, is, is another really incredible engine of growth that we can add on top of it. And then finally, I'll say that, you know, now that, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're in a good place also to continue to reinvest in the SaaS aspect as well, where we sell our software as a service. So we definitely have, look, we're in, 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 in the right place at the right time. This industry is, is exploding. And I think that what we've built positions us very, very strongly to be a, a, a leader in, in those categories going forward. Um, you know, and, and we're very grateful to be in that position. So I think we have a very exciting future ahead of us. Very good. Um, before we go, anything else you want to leave us with as to why uh, Mohawk Group is a, is a great place to invest? <clears throat> sure, yeah, thank you. So yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think really the question uh, to ask, uh, you know, any investor asking themselves, is Mohawk a good investment, comes down to do you believe that e-commerce is going to continue to uh, be the large majority of retail? And specifically, do you believe that the marketplace business model where the retailers want to become platforms and let the brand sell directly to the customers is going to be the future of retail? Then that's, from a trajectory perspective, something that's hard to really bar to, to argue against. I mean, really, we've gone to a place where Amazon is 60% marketplace, and the trajectory looks like it's continuing to grow very quickly, far faster than their uh, traditional retail business, right? And so if you believe that retail of the future is e-commerce and marketplaces are going to be a very dominant piece of e-commerce and, and you want to invest in a company that is built from the ground up to succeed on marketplaces, to build products on marketplaces 
I mean, the multi-trillion dollar TAM uh, that, is, that, is, that is out there to be, uh, to be taken, right? And there are today no giants of e-commerce CPG, right? If you believe that there will be giants of e-commerce CPG, like there was a Unilever or a P&G in, in a traditional retail form, uh, then, you know, I think, in our opinion, Mohawk is really a company that's been built for that from the ground up and that is really, uh, in our opinion, really designed to become one of the leading uh, uh, companies in the space. And so if you think that this is a trajectory, um, you know, that, that retail and CPG is going to go in the future, uh, I think uh, Mohawk is a really interesting uh, company to look at. Agreed. Well, well, thank you so much for sharing the story. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, thanks again.